Well, there's nothing uh, quite like going through trials to reveal what we're really all about. Isn't that true? Anyway, well, I think we've seen that the last year and a half or so. Uh, some things have been brought to the surface, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Uh, we were, you know, this yesterday, of course, was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and so there was lots of reminders uh, of things that happened 20 years ago, and that was a great example, as you saw people responding during the worst of times, and uh, in, in many cases, it brought out the best in people. Uh, one of the, the, the favorite stories, I'm sure, for many of us is the story of United Airlines Flight 93 and Todd Beamer. And I just recently read, I had not read the entire transcript. I would encourage you to Google that and, and read. If you've never read that before, his conversation uh, with, as he got on the phone and, and was you know, communicating uh, about what was going on, it's pretty fascinating to see. But here is somebody who, during a time of absolute terror... His response was, we've got to figure out a way to do something uh, to save other people, right? That, that was the motivation. And uh, I don't know that I had heard before reading it that he uh, was a, played basketball in college and was the captain of his, uh, his captain of his basketball team and also played baseball. And three of the guys that were on that flight were former athletes as well. And so that probably contributed a little bit both to their physical ability to do what they did as well as to their mental preparedness and how do you respond under stress and things like that. So, and I'm sure you know their story. You know, they just, they, they, they prayed together and they said, let's roll. And they went in and they ended up, you know, saving probably the Capitol building or White House and who knows how many people additionally would have been killed in addition to those on that plane who gave their lives. But it's a great reminder to me of the fact that when we are under stress and under the most difficult circumstances, we find out really kind of what's inside of us. And the, the natural tendency when you're getting beat up a little bit. I mean, I think I just had this image come to mind of a boxer. I've never been a boxer. There's nothing that sounds fun to me about getting in the ring with somebody that wants to beat the daylights out of me. That just doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but for some, that's their thing. But, but, I, but I just get this image of a boxer that's, that's kind of starting to, to take it a little bit. And what do they do when they get in a compromised position and they realize there's nothing they can do to fight back? Here's what they do. All right, they just, they duck their head they cover themselves with their arms best they can to try to minimize the damage. That's how we have a tendency to respond when things get difficult. It's let me just curl up. You know, let, let me just protect myself. Let me move inward so that I can minimize the damage in some way. That's not what happened uh, certainly on Flight 93, and it's not the way Jesus operated. We're going to continue on with our, our series called Serve Like Jesus. And one of the things we're going to see in our passage today is that when Jesus was taking the body blows and was just really being hit hard, he didn't just curl up and try to protect himself. In fact, he went the other direction and, uh, and, and, and found a way to serve those around him. So we're in a, in a moment, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, if you want to begin to find your way there. But let me give you a little bit of background before we start reading in verse 13, Matthew 14, of what was going on here. Um, so Jesus was, had just learned about the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, came to, to preach. He baptized 
Jesus. Uh, he was a relative of Jesus. His mother and Jesus' mother were, were relatives, so that meant that the two of them were related. He was the forerunner of his ministry. Jesus spoke about him in very glowing terms and said, among those born of, of women, there's not anyone greater than John the Baptist. So this is somebody who was instrumental in his ministry, uh, was instrumental to him personally, was, was, was related to him. Um, but he was put to death. And the reason that he was is because John the Baptist had a tendency to speak his mind. Or really, what he did was he spoke God's mind, but he did it in a very bold way. And so there was a, a ruler by the name of Herod Antipas. By the way, don't get confused with Herod that was, you know, uh, the, the, the other King Herod when Jesus was born. Different guy, um, but related. And so Herod Antipas... Uh, married the woman, her name was Herodias, who used to be married to his brother Philip, and so that created all kinds of stir, and John the Baptist spoke out against that as a transgression against the law, and he was very bold in speaking against this marriage between Herodias and Herod Antipas. And, um, you know, I guess we would expect, that that's pretty bold to, to do that, right? Because you know you're speaking against the person who can put you to death. And even worse, you're speaking against his wife. And so, you know, you know it's going to get really bad when you start doing that. And so, but, but he didn't care. I mean, I guess we would expect this from a guy who lived in the wilderness, wore clothes made of camel's hair, and ate wild locusts and honey, right? You would think he's probably the kind of guy who's going to speak his, speak his mind, speak out the truth. And he did. Um, wasn't received very well, and so the rest of the story, as you may recall, uh, was that he was put to death. In fact, uh, Herod, the Bible tells us, was afraid of John the Baptist. His wife wanted him dead. I think he probably did too, but he was afraid to do anything about it because the people believed that John the Baptist was a prophet, and so he was afraid to do anything until one day this uh, girl, this, his stepdaughter, actually, as it turns out, is his wife's daughter, came and danced before him, pleased him so much, he said, ask for anything that you want. Up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. And his mother, who this is a whole sermon in and of itself. I mean, we could, we could spend a whole uh, session talking about what bitterness does. When, I mean, when, you, when it just gets root inside of us and you become consumed with revenge and how do I get back. And that's how she was. And so the only thing she could think of at that moment was bring me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, I know that this was a barbaric time. I know that there were some rather gruesome things that happened. But it's still, I'm thinking, what, what kind of person says, hey, we need to take some hors d'oeuvres off the platter so that we can make room for, for a head to be brought in here? I mean, that's just sick. It, it, is, it is grotesque, but that's what happened. Jesus gets wind of that, that, that this has happened, that his uh, ministry partner, his relative, his friend, has been brutally murdered, and that's where we pick up in Mark, or I'm sorry, Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two small fish. 
It doesn't say small, does it? Sorry, I put that in there. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you get this picture, right? Jesus gets wind of what has happened to John the Baptist, and he makes an effort to get away to a solitary place. Now, keep in mind that although Jesus was fully divine, he was also fully human. He understood what it was like to experience grief, to experience sadness. And his response was, I need to get away and spend time with my father. And so he takes his disciples with him. They're going to go to a solitary place. You know, the demands that were placed on Jesus were extraordinary. By this time, people had figured out who he was. He'd been performing miracles and doing things. And so crowds would follow him wherever he went. And he thought, I just need a little break from the people. I need a time to to be able to grieve, maybe a time to focus on restoring my own emotional and mental health and whatever it may be. Jesus just needed some time away from the crowds. And so he had a solitary place that he was going to go to. Anybody have a place like that? Do you have a place that you get away to from time to time? If you don't, by the way, I would encourage you to find one because we need those times where we can get away from the demands and, and just have a place that's kind of Remote, you know, that you can, can, can just kind of unplug from all the demands and refocus. Jesus had that, that plan. They were going to get away from everything. And this was going to be a time for him to kind of sort through what had happened. Can you imagine making plans to get away to your solitary place. Maybe it's a place out in the country. Maybe it's a cabin in the woods somewhere or in the mountains somewhere or whatever it may be. But your plan is you're excited about I'm going to get away from everything and I'm going to go spend some time, relax and spend some time in God's presence, spend some time just getting refilled spiritually away from all the demands. And you show up to your solitary place and there are thousands And thousands of people waiting for you there. I mean, seriously, can you imagine this? Can you imagine how you would feel if you're thinking, this is my time to get away, and now all these people are here? I'm going to be honest. My first thought would be, somebody send these people away. Get them out of here. I didn't come out here to a solitary place so that I could have thousands of people around me. And Jesus is dealing with uh, a, a very heavy situation here and it's very very difficult and yet the remarkable thing is he didn't send the people away he didn't get frustrated with them he he served them Jesus put aside his own needs in order to meet the needs of those around him and that's really our main idea today of this morning's message what does it look like to serve like Jesus well it looks like a lot of different things but one of the things that it means is putting our own needs aside in order to serve others. That's what we see Jesus doing here. Now, the specifics of how we do that might be a little bit different. I hope you never have to do that in a similar context to what Jesus is going through. A relative has been brutally murdered or something along those lines. I hope that it is not specific to that. 
And I get that you're not Jesus, and I'm not Jesus, so we don't have quite the level of demands being placed on us, but you do have demands placed on you, right? And you do go through difficult seasons, and I think the last 18 months or so that we've been dealing with, all that we've been dealing with this pandemic has made all of us feel this way to a certain degree. There's, a, there's extra pressure, there's extra stress that comes as a result of that, and you've seen this. And maybe some of you have been in this boat where people have just completely turned inward. The stress of, of, of dealing with something difficult and, and the, the uncertainty of it can just cause you to just block everything else out and just, just do this. You know, just kind of get down in that position of I'm just going to protect myself. I'm going to withdraw and turn inward. That's one way to respond. But what I see here in Scripture is that Jesus didn't respond that way. And so I have to ask myself this question of what does it look like for me to set aside my own needs to meet the needs of others? You know, sometimes it could be minor things. I mean, sometimes it's just maybe setting aside your phone for a minute, you know, getting off of social media or whatever it may be or turning the TV off or whatever it is. And like, I'm just going to give my attention to my spouse or to my child or whoever may need it. I mean, it, it could be something you know, as, as minor as just being willing to go get together and have coffee with somebody that's hurting and have a conversation. And, you know, it, it, it seems like there's never really a good time for that because there's so much going on and we're, we're busy people, but being willing to make that type of sacrifice. I'm going to put aside my personal needs. Maybe in some cases it might be something more significant. I mean, it could be something like, I'm going to put off this vacation that we plan, and I'm going to take the, the money I was going to use on that, and I'm going, to, I'm going to help meet a need, a financial need in somebody's life. Or I'm going to open my home as a foster parent, or I'm going to look to adopt. Or, you know, it could be something significant and major like that. Big or small, the point is serving like Jesus means that we put our, our own needs aside in order to meet the needs of, of others around us. But here's the thing when it comes to doing that. That doesn't come naturally, and it's not something that we can do even in our own ability. It's just really important for us to, 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 to understand this, to point this out. This is a work a, a, of the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts. See, we, we do have the Spirit of God in us. I started to say we're not Jesus. That's true. But we do have the Spirit of God in us. And He wants to transform us. And so all of this is, is really a, a matter of saying, okay... What do we need the Holy Spirit to do inside of us so that we're in a position to be ready to serve like Jesus? And there's really two things that I see in this passage that will help us get there. The first one is that we need compassion. It says that when Jesus saw the crowds, that he had compassion on them. It's a really interesting word that is used here. The Greek word is splanknesthe, I think. You won't know the difference if I'm not saying it right. I actually used to be able to read Greek back in the day. The, the, the root of this, of this word is the word splankna, which means the inward parts. Isn't it interesting that the word that, that means to be moved or to be stirred with compassion has to do with the inward parts? Maybe that's where, and I don't know this for, for sure, but maybe that's why we get the word moved. When you talk about being moved by something, but at least it's the same idea. If you're moved by something emotionally, that means that you're stirred on the inside, right? So what is it that, that stirs us on the inside? The gospel writers made a point 
to, to say that Jesus was stirred with compassion, and he did two things. In Matthew's gospel, the one that we just read, it says that Jesus fed them physically. This is the feeding of the 5,000, which, by the way, is the only miracle of Jesus recorded in all four gospels. So all four of them record that Jesus fed 5,000. But in Mark's gospel, it adds something else. It says that Jesus had compassion on the people, and so he began to teach them. So Jesus fed them physically, and he fed them spiritually. He saw what their needs were, and he met those needs. And so a great way for, for us to evaluate, for me to evaluate whether I, if, if my heart is in the right place or not, is to ask this question, am I stirred, am I moved by the needs of those around me, both physical and spiritual needs? Or do I get so caught up in my, my own self that I really don't care? Uh, made me think about Romans 8, verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, so if I'm, if I'm living according to my, my sinful nature and desires, it says you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, this is one of those things where, again, it, it has to be a work of the Spirit. Because in the flesh, in my own just the way I'm created, and you're the same way, we get selfish. And we want to take care of self. We want to, especially when we're under stress, we want to curl up and protect ourselves or our family. We're not so focused on how can I meet the needs of those around me. But if we want to serve like Jesus, then that's what we need to do. And so I need, and you need, we need the Holy Spirit to give us that type of mindset. Here, there's some questions that I was just thinking through that would be good evaluation for each of us to ask ourselves, to, to know, is my compassion where it needs to be? Am I being moved by the right things? Is it, how bothered am I by those who are struggling with physical needs? One, does it burden me when I hear about people going through a difficult season? Does it stir me to compassion, even to the point where I'm willing to give financially or I'm willing to give of my time to help somebody in some way? Am I stirred by that? And then the second thing is, am I stirred by the fact that, that there are people that don't know Christ, that are on their way to an eternity separated from God? Does that move me internally? To the point that I'm motivated to say, how can I invest in this person? How can I share the good news of the gospel? That though we are all sinful and separated from God, Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead. We can be forgiven if we will turn and put our faith in him. Am I motivated to share that story? Am I, am I moved in such a way? That's a work of, of the Holy Spirit in us. And frankly, far too often... We just get too comfortable in our own little bubble. You know, and, and, I'm, and I'm focused on me and maybe my little chickadees around me or whatever it may be. And, and, and that's my focus, my little bubble. And I'll tell you guys, it's easy to go there. It's especially easy to go there when you go through a difficult season. And everybody, as we said, to some degree or another over the last 18 months has gone through a difficult season. As most of you know, uh, our story as well, back in 2019, our youngest daughter was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. And so thinking back on that, I'm like, I totally get this. I totally understand that when you feel like your world's caving in around you, the tendency is to want to say, I'm just going to get in my little bubble and I'm going to block everything else out. But that's not what I see Jesus doing. And that's not what he's called us to do.
So serving like Jesus means that we continue uh, to, to be outward focused. We continue to have compassion and believe that, uh, that, that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. And so Jesus performs this miracle, um, which is meeting a physical need. But even more than that, it's pointing to who he is. It's pointing to the fact that this is God in human flesh. And all of his miracles are that way. There was a, a need that was being met, but it was bigger than that. He was also saying, look at who I am. Nobody can do the things that I do other than God himself. And so, so there's, there's that aspect of it. But all of this for Jesus was motivated by compassion. So that's one thing that we need to ask. The, the Holy Spirit to do a work in us say, give me compassion for the physical and spiritual needs of people around us. But then there's a second thing here that I believe we need to ask God for. And that is that we need to ask him for faith. To believe that when we step into those situations that he's going to work. Now in Jesus' case, it sounds kind of weird <laughs> to say Jesus demonstrated faith because he's God. you know, And so he just is. And he was, he was able to do that. Still, he was dependent on the, you know, the, the Father to work through him and, and, and those kinds of things. But our application to this is, you know, Jesus saw a need and he said, I'm going to meet that need. Um, when we see that need and maybe we're stirred with compassion, the question then is, do we take a step of faith to do something about it? Do we believe that God is going to work through us to do something about it? Not that we are capable in our own strength, our own ability, but do we believe that God is capable of working through us to do something significant like this? As a man, I hate attempting things where I think I'm going to fail. I don't like to do that. Uh, I, I was thinking about this fact. I love to play games. Any kind of game. I've always been a game person from the time I was little, whether it was you know, playing sports, playing games, whatever it is. If, it's, if you can compete in it in some way, I like it. I'm just kind of a big, grown-up, overgrown kid in some ways. But do you know there's one game that I do not like? You, you know what that game is? It's Pictionary. I cannot stand Pictionary. You want to know why? Because it forces me to draw, and I am horrible at drawing. I'm terrible at it. Now, they say, oh, it's just a game. It's fine. I'm, I don't want to do something that I know I'm really bad at, right? It takes the fun out of it to have to do that. Now, if I could be an all-time guesser at Pictionary, still wouldn't be my favorite game ever, but I'd be okay with it. You throw other games in there, the game like Taboo, for example, where you have to verbalize and say words. I'm okay with words, right? I, I, I like that one. Uh, even another one, what's the other one? It's called gestures, where you have to like act things out. I'm used to being on a stage in front of people, making a fool of myself in front of people. I'm okay with that too. But I don't want to play a game that exposes my weaknesses, right? Most of us don't. We're hesitant to take a step in a certain area if we think we're going to fail. And how often do we not step out and allow God to work through us because we look at him and go, oh, I'm, I'm not so good at that. That's not a strength for me, I don't think. Now, now listen, I know we need to serve in our area of strength and all that, but, but still, there are times, and, and I suspect that there's somebody here, God has been stirring some type of a vision in your heart, he's been stirring something in you that he's pushing you to do, and you've just been pushing back, saying, I don't think I can do that, I'm not sure I'll be successful. 
And we come up with all these excuses. And by the way, it may be that you have that heart of compassion. I mean, you may be deeply moved about something and you have a desire for God to work through you. You just don't have the faith to step out and do it. It takes both. And yeah, it starts with, with compassion. It starts with a desire. But then the second thing is that we, we need faith. We need compassion, but we also need faith. Sometimes I think we get more focused on the fact that there are only five loaves and two fish than we're focused on whose hands those five loaves and two fish are in. I mean, the disciples didn't think this way. They had seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle. And Jesus even said when they came to him, by the way, and they're like, hey, can we get these people out of here? You know, Jesus, he taught them for a while. They put up with that for a certain amount of time, but then they're like, okay, they're going to get hungry. They're going to, what are we going to do? And, and Jesus says, don't send them away to get food. You, you feed them. And they're just looking at it from a, from a finite human perspective, saying, we have five loaves of bread. We have two fish. What, how far is that going to go? What good is that going to do? They were focused on, on the physical elements not focused on the fact that God in human flesh was right there to, to multiply. I'm going to tell you something, guys. When, when, when God says do something, he's going to provide a way to make that happen. He can take whatever it is and multiply it. And, and this miracle, by the way, is a very unique miracle because I was thinking about all the different miracles that Jesus had performed. And I, there may be another one out there. You think about it and come tell me what it is and we'll, we'll celebrate that together. That you thought of something. But I was trying to think, what is another miracle where Jesus took a little bit of something and made it into more of that something? And I couldn't think of anything. I mean, I know he turned water into wine, but that was actually, you know, it wasn't like he created water out of nothing. He poured water and turned it into wine. I mean, in this case, I, mean, I would love to see how this happened. Uh, one of the unique times where I could think of Jesus taking a little bit of something and just multiplying it and turning it into a lot more. Uh, the disciples hadn't seen that specifically happened before um, but here's here's what the bible tells us that should inspire in us faith and belief that yes i can step out and serve like jesus in that way john 14 verses 12 through 14 jesus said very truly i tell you whoever believes in me will do the works i've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because i'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Does that sink in what he's saying here? You will do greater things than these? The miracles that you've seen me doing, you will do even greater things? And he says that if you ask anything in my name, meaning according to my will in a way that glorifies me, but if you ask those things, I'm going I'm to do it for you. I'm going to grant those requests. That ought to inspire faith in us. That ought to stir our hearts to say, when God is leading me in a certain area, that I can trust him. I can follow him. I can step out in faith. So we need compassion. And we need faith. But I want to close with something else that's really, really important. If you don't hear this, you could walk away from this message with, I think, the wrong mindset. 
I've been talking about how important it is to set aside our own desires, right? We, we, we ask God to give us compassion when we have fear or uncertainty or lack of confidence that, that we set that aside. Even during times of difficulty when we're going through stress and when we're struggling, we put all those things aside. That's all true, but it's so important to hear this. Jesus did that temporarily. He, he went there to get away and to have solitude with God. He didn't get it when he got there, and he was okay with that. He didn't throw a fit like I probably would have if I were in his shoes. But what happened after he taught the people and after he fed the people? He sent them away. And the rest of the story says he went up on the mountainside and he prayed. Guys, this is so, so important. And yes, there are times where we have to sacrifice. There are times where we, you know, maybe are intending something that would be refilling and re-energizing to us. And it doesn't happen right then and we have to make that sacrifice. But I'm telling you, you cannot do that forever. You've got to find time and ways to refill your tank spiritually. You have to do it. It's so very important. I mean, I look at it as it's, it's, a, it's a maintenance thing. It's kind of like performing regular maintenance on a vehicle. You know, it used to be back in the day they recommended changing the oil on a car every 3,000 miles. Now I think it maybe is depending on the type of oil and the type of car. And there are all these factors. You may be able to go 10,000 miles and still be, in some cases, still be within the parameters. I'm going to tell you, you could ignore changing your oil on the car. You could probably go 20,000, 30,000. You might even be able to go 40,000 miles without ever changing the oil. But one day, that engine is going to completely seize up if you don't perform that simple act of regular maintenance. And you can push it for a little while. And frankly, some of you may be doing that right now. I mean, you're just pushing, 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 and never stopping and never resting and never refilling. And you're like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And eventually what's going to happen is that engine's going to seize up completely. And you're going to have a nervous breakdown or you're going to have a heart attack or something is going to happen. We have to find times and ways to say, okay, maybe I have to put this on pause just for a moment. But I'm going to come right back to it as soon as I can. I'm going to get away with God. I'm going to spend time with God. I'd encourage you to make that. I mean, first of all, make that a part of your daily schedule. Find a time every day where you're spending time with God. You're getting opening scripture. You're praying. I mean, you're, you're getting refilled daily. But then schedule in certain times where you can get away and really focus on that. Which, by the way, if you want to know how to pray for your pastor, I'm going to tell you, it's a great way you can pray for me and Sean both. This Friday and Saturday, we're having a spiritual retreat. We're going to get away, spend the entire day Friday, um, and then come back sometime Saturday afternoon. My brother has a place out in the country, and it's just going to be us, and we're going to just focus on being with God and getting refilled spiritually. And I'd love for you to, to pray for us along those lines. But we, we, we need that. We need to build in those times. That's what Jesus did. It wasn't just go, go, go and give, give, give as much as he did that. I mean, as we're saying, serving like Jesus means putting your own needs aside in order to to, to meet the needs of others. But then you have to refill the tank. You have to perform that regular maintenance or sooner or later you'll break down and probably sooner than later. So serve. Get beyond yourself. You know, ask God to give you compassion. Ask God to give you faith. But make sure that you're being intentional about filling yourself back up so that you continue to have something to give. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Lord Jesus, first of all, that you serve us so well. You loved us so well. You loved us so much that you gave your life for us. 
But we see in Scripture, you continue to intercede for us. You, it just blows my mind, Lord, to think that you care for us like that. So thank you for that. Lord, transform our hearts and, and make us into the people that you um, desire for us to be and help us to serve like you do and help us to be willing to set aside some of our selfishness and some of our own insecurities in order to serve you. But Lord, I do pray too that we are spending time with you to get refilled. And even now, even during this time together, I pray this is a time of filling and preparation so that we can go and serve. In your precious name we pray. Amen.